Good evening, everybody. And Merry Christmas. Praise be to God. Merry Christmas that we get to be here as a family and we get to be here today. Gospel Saving Church, special Christmas message edition. Praise be to God. And we got our intimate family here in our house. And thanks be to God. I'm so thankful we can all be here together and have a good meal and celebrate the birth of Jesus. We can celebrate his coming into the world. And here at uh, Gospel Saving Church, we believe that Christmas is all about Jesus Christ. It's not about the world. It's not about stuff of the world. It's not about the things I can have. It's not about the things that I even got. It's all about Jesus Christ. Hence, the message of our, the title of our message today is The Birth of the Mighty King. The Birth of the Mighty King. And as I said earlier, um, just here at Gospel Saving Church, Jesus is everything. Jesus is the reason that we even gather together, that we come together, and, and that we're able to even be together and celebrate this day. Uh, so before we start our message, we have a, actually a family tradition that we're going to carry over into Gospel Saving Church. And we do it every year, and my family already probably knows what we're going to do, but what we do is we sing happy birthday to Jesus. Every year we do it as a family. We do it for years. And after the service, and I'm sorry, everybody coming from SoundCloud, you can't be involved in this one. We actually have a birthday cake for Jesus that we cut up and we, have, and we all have a slice of cake just in honor of Jesus' birthday. So you guys want to join me? We're going to sing happy birthday to Jesus before we start our message because He's the only reason we're even having this message. Praise be to God. And a one, two, three. Happy birthday to you, Jesus. Happy birthday to you, Jesus Christ. Happy birthday, dear Jesus. Happy birthday to you. Yes, our great king, the birth of the mighty king. So, here we go. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, through Matthew chapter 2, verse 12. So if everybody wants to get out their Bible or you just guys want to listen along, I'm going to be doing a lot of reading. Uh, one of the things that God put on my heart for this message was that Instead of me doing a whole lot of commentating, a whole lot, since we believe that Jesus Christ is the reason that we're all here, God kind of put it on my heart that he should have total center stage. Just him and him alone. So I'm not going to be doing a lot of talking. I'm not going to be doing a lot of, you know, you know, commentating. I've got some things that God has given me to say along the way. So, but I'm going to be mainly reading the events around the, you know, the account of what happened when Jesus came into the world, what happened before and even what happened after. So praise be to God for his amazing love and grace to mankind. He poured out his love and showed us his amazing grace almost 2,000 years ago in the form of the birth of the mighty king, the mighty King Jesus. So let's get going 
Let's start reading. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, which means, as we all know, they weren't married yet. Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, so Joseph was pondering, because Mary, being with child before they were married, would have been, should have been, you know, blamed for adultery. Matthew, or Joseph could have easily you know, put her away and, and never decided to marry her because she was with a child before they were married. And there's only generally one reason why a woman has a baby before you're married, and that's if she's spending time with another man and cheating on him. So he was about to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, or in Hebrew, Yeshua. For he will save his people from their sins. Hallelujah. Hallelujah that Jesus came to save sinners from their sins. Where would we be if Jesus would have never come to save sinners from their sins. We would still be having to sacrifice animals like they did in the Old Testament. And even at that, they kind of got away from that. That wasn't even something that they you know, continued to do as a, as a major thing. And as today, even the Jews that don't believe that Jesus came, they still, they, they still should be sacrificing uh, animals underneath, underneath their old covenant that, they, that they're under, but they don't because they just don't. And so they have the Day of Atonement, and they just, it's, it does not, it, that's not what God said. God said that I want the sacrifice of perfect animals, you know, perfect animals with no spot or blemish to, you know, sacrifice for the sins of mankind. Until, of course, that one, the one today, the mighty King Jesus came. And what did he do? He lived and he died the, as a perfect man without sin and then rose the third day to pay for all the sins of mankind. And in 21 again, And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Jesus Christ. For he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which is translated God with us. And in case you're wondering, that, that prophecy comes out of Isaiah chapter 7, verse 42, where God's speaking about 700 years before Christ was ever born. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, as proof that Christ would be the Messiah, that he was going to come, that he was going to do, uh, that, he, that God was going to make the Messiah through the womb of a virgin. You know, people argue and I've heard arguments on the fact that 
you know, well, actually the Hebrew word doesn't mean virgin. It means young maiden. And through my research a little bit for this message this week, God showed me something interesting on that because up until just this last week, even though I knew in my heart that God was right and I knew exactly that that's what that translation meant was virgin, yet you'd hear these really good, they sound intellectual people say, well, it actually wasn't a virgin. It was, you know, it was a young maiden. And, and if you look at the word, it can be translated as young maiden, actually. And, but it also can be virgin is one of the things. So, you know, you look, at the, you look at the context and you think, wow, wait a minute. You know, how do you tell which English word God really meant to put in there? But I actually heard something just the other day that God kind of finally toppled the scales. And, and it stuck with me this time. Um, go back here. In, uh, in Isaiah 7, 14, I'm going to read it. God says to Isaiah to tell one of the kings at the time, he says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign or a miracle. Behold, the virgin I shall conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel. Now, now check this out. Check this out. A sign is a miracle. Is a miracle a young lady having a child? No. A lot of young ladies in that day, a lot of young ladies in Jesus' day had children. A lot of young women, in fact, the age of Mary in the time of Jesus, to marry, you know, for Joseph marrying Mary, Mary was maybe only 13, 14 years old. She was a young girl, according to nowadays. Nowadays, you know, uh, you know, generally women are getting married in their late 20s, early 30s, even maybe 40s. Then they were getting married much earlier. But what kind of a miracle would it be for a young lady to conceive a child? It's not. But it sure would be a miracle if a virgin, a sign wouldn't be a young lady having a child, but a sign, a miracle, would certainly be a virgin having a child. Uh, behold the virgin. A miracle is not young maiden have a ba- having a baby. She can see, she, God says she'll shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Wow. Praise be to God. I mean, I just, I saw, I, li- I heard that, and I thought, because I was actually researching something that God wanted me to talk about in this section, and I came across that, on, on, you know, on a site, and I thought, wow, I never, I, and then I remember now, as I'm telling you, I remember hearing that years and years and years ago, but it didn't stick with me. Like this one that I just heard just the other day when I read it. I just read it the other day and I thought, wow, yeah, that's right. A miracle wouldn't be a young maiden having a baby. A miracle would be a, would be a virgin having a child. So, and it also, you know, God brought up another thing to me here. You know, in case you're wondering, and you can look this up on the internet, and this is all over the place. And in case you're wondering, there are a lot of atheists that are skeptical and a lot of skeptics that are skeptical, skeptical about this section of Scripture, especially it being a virgin bearing a child. I know Jesus, and we'll call, he'll, you know, he's going to come and born of a virgin and save the world from sins. Because they would say, and this is true. Actually, God showed me research. This is true. Uh, they'll say that ancient historical demigods or ancient historical uh, mythological gods, there were actually quite a, quite a few of them that actually had the same story as the, as the same as Jesus Christ. A lot of mythological gods had supposed virgin mothers. They had disciples. 
They rose again the third day. If you look back to ancient Egypt and you look back to ancient societies, they had the same story. So a lot of skeptics would say, they do say, that the actual birth and resurrection and the whole story of Jesus was just a, the Christians copied it from ancient societies that already had that story going on for hundreds and even thousands of years before Christ was born. And I've known this for many years. Maybe you guys didn't. And it's a true fact. Many of the ancient demigods were supposedly, you know, they had virgin mothers. They had disciples. They rose again the third day, died, and then rose again the third day. So how do we know as a Christian, because the Bible says we're supposed to have faith, so how do we know as Christians that Jesus Christ was really the one to, you know, that like he, this really happened to him? How do we know that the early Christians or people that, you know, made the religion of Christianity, if you want to play that, let's play devil's advocate for a second. How do we know that, you know, these early Christians didn't do this? How do we know that these early Christians didn't just copy these ancient religions that had these same stories circulating at the same time the disciples followed Jesus Christ. Well, not one of them, not even one of those other religions had any... Okay, so look at the dynamic of the Christian faith here. Jesus came a Jew, but he was rejected by his own, which means although he was underneath the religion of Judaism... The, re- the leaders of Judaism did not accept him. So he came, laid down a new covenant between God and mankind. They rejected that. So now, what, what do we have? We have Christ coming. We have a supposed, you know, did he really do that? Did, did the Christian, early Christians really copy? Well, here's what we have. We have still to this day, we have a Tanakh which is the Jewish holy ancient Bible, which is the same Old Testament books that the Christian Bible has in our Old Testament. I own a Tanakh. It's a Hebrew-English Tanakh. And I go to that Tanakh, and I can go to Isaiah chapter 7, which, here's the dynamic of it, Isaiah is a book of the people that rejected Jesus and are still rejecting Jesus to this day. And this book of these people who rejected Jesus, there's a prophecy 700 years before he came that said that it was going to happen by a religion that did not support him. And yet, it still talks about this guy to come and Jesus fulfilled those exact things that that prophecy said was going to happen. Not one of these other religions, not one of these other demigods or these false gods, have any prophecy about them. It was said by one of the early church fathers as I was doing the research on this, it was said that this is exactly, because this is, God has shown me this for years on this, but this ancient church father, first first and second century AD, I forget his name now, this was his, this was his, you know, attack, or not attack, but this was his response to people back in the 1st and 2nd century A.D. that were doing the same, were the saying the same thing to him. You're Jesus that supposedly came. He didn't, you know, look at all these other ancient gods and these, these mythological, you know, gods and things like that. You just, you guys just copied that. And this was his argument to them, and the argument is infallible. No, of these other ancient religions have no prophecy that said it was going to happen, and then it happened. And then the disciples 
to see it firsthand and to die for a lie because 10 out of the 12 of them all died martyrs' deaths. For 10 out of 12 to die a martyr's death when they saw and realized that what they were preaching was a lie, you'd have to be a fool. So when you look at the proofs, we see that hands down, Christ is exactly who he said he was, and he's unlike the ancient so-called mythological gods that had this same thing happen to them, and they had this same kind of story. They had this, you know, Jesus is set apart from them by the prophecy of a book of a religion that doesn't even support him. Praise be to God. The Bible is the truth, and you can test the Bible's truths. I've, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Truth is not just truth because I make it truth. Truth is truth because I can back it up, and there's a real evidence of truth that we can find for that truth. And I have no problems with any kind of skeptics talking to me because I love kind of these kind of conversations. Praise be to God. Let's keep going. Verse 24 of Matthew chapter 1. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son and called his name Jesus. Ooh, amen. Isn't that awesome? Now, after Jesus was born, remember I said Jesus was going to take center stage today. It's Everything's going to be all about him and the birth of the mighty king. So we we studied a little bit before, and now we're going to go a little bit to after. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. So we stop there just for a second. God wants me to say this. There's an amazing video out there called The Star of Bethlehem. And if you really think, because there's been a lot of skeptics throughout the years that have said, there's been a lot of skeptics throughout the years that have said uh, that that star was so supernatural, it was so you know, rare that they couldn't, that there was no way that that could be a real star because when you look at what the star did and the size of the star, that there was no way on earth that there was a real star like that. Actually, we have it on gospelsavingchurch.com. We have the, the whole movie, The Star of Bethlehem, on gospelsavingchurch.com. You can go there and you can watch it. It's a video on there. And um, this fellow was a lawyer, and that was his profession, and he just started like a small project for a Christmas play or a Christmas teaching he was going to do at his church. He was going to just get together and have like a little Bible study about Christmas. And as he started looking into it, he thought, wow, the impossibility of that star and all the different things that these guys saw this star from the east and then they came from the east and so on and did all this. And you can actually look it up. It's fascinating. And it's so, it's, it'll strengthen your faith in an awesome, awesome, awesome way. So you can check it out, but it's amazing. The star was real, and all the things that the star did were real. So verse 3, When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem, 
of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And there we have another prophecy. We have another prophecy about the Messiah. We have where he was going to be born. So Christ didn't just have to fulfill the virgin birth, but he also had to fulfill the place in which the, the Bible said that the Christ had to come to be born. And of course, he did that. So, as we keep going on, verse 7, Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them. That's impossible. Stars just don't go before people. But believe it or not, this one really did. Till it came and stood over where the young child was. Now Jesus, notice, this is always an interesting fact to notice. Jesus wasn't a baby in a manger here anymore. Jesus says here that they came and stood over where the child was. So he wasn't a baby anymore. By this time now, he was uh, within a couple years old. This whole chapter 1 to chapter 2, he he aged there maybe about a year or two. He wasn't just a little infant in a manger anymore. He was just a little child. So, verse 10, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. Isn't that amazing? I just have to stop there. Look at what the wise men's response was to Jesus the Christ. Now, you got to think, if you know anything about anything at all, if you know know any kind of historical facts, these wise men would have been revered people. They would have been older people. They wouldn't have been younger. They would have been older, very wise people. Now just think of the situation. They come in and here's this infant. He's, we know a little bit from the text that Herod wanted all the massacre of everyone that was three or, three or younger to be murdered. So Jesus was three and under. So he was he been just a baby boy. And these look at these wise men. They came in, these learned wise men, aged, you know, revered respected men. And look at verse 10, when, or verse 11. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary's mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Just think about the humbleness that they had to exhibit there. No, they didn't, they would have only, hum, they would have only bowed down to their king, wherever they were from. From the east, they would have only bowed down to their king. They would have never in their lives before this time bowed down to a child. Jesus was just an infant and they bowed down. And not only did they bow down, but they worshipped him. That is amazing. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed from their own country, another way. I mean, amazing, amazing, amazing. We looked at the birth of the mighty King Jesus today. The whole reason why we're here 
this very day, 12-25 of 2013. And what God did for us, I was talking to a brother earlier today, all the gifts that we could ever get today, all the gifts that we've ever gotten on our birthdays, all the gifts that we've ever gotten ever could never compare with the gift that God gave to mankind by the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of his only begotten son, the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, that he actually cared so much about us that he stepped out of eternity, out of peace, out of harmony, out of perfect love with God. Him and God walked together since before we were, and that they walked together and they loved one another, and it perfection, peace, no death, no suffering, no torment, no pain, no agony, and that he stepped out of eternity and he came to live in this sin-filled, sinful-of, rotten world that we live in where everybody has to be, has to be evil to one another, and especially nowadays as the days get closer and closer and closer to the end. You know, Jesus said in the New Testament, he said, he gave a whole bunch of things looking toward the end times, when the end would come, what, what it was going to look like in the end. And one of the things that always stuck out to me, sticks out to me to this day, that he said was going to happen, he says this, he says, so on, these things are going to happen, these things are going to happen, these things are going to happen. And then the love of many will grow cold. And then the end will come. And then the end and then the end will come was right after. And the love of many will grow cold. And if you look at your world around you and you're honest about the world that you live around you and the world that's around you as you live and walk every day, you see the hatred of mankind against mankind for no reason at all. My son works a job and they just come through and they speak nastily toward him and they speak evil things at him and they use swear words against him all the time and he's such a nice young man and does nothing but try to help people and he's a good worker hard worker he's revered amongst his co-workers and they love him there and, and yet the people that just because he works at this certain place they think that it's okay to talk to him like a piece of trash and for no reason at all and it's just gotten worse and worse and worse and worse as the days have gone on i i, I had jobs when i was a young teenager and I never was spoken to like that. Even my youngest jobs that I had, 14, 15 years old, nobody ever spoke to me the way that I hear my son come home and tell me that the people speak to him at their jobs now. The love of many is growing cold. And yet, Christ knew it was going to come. Christ saw it. And he came anyway to offer salvation for sinners. So remember as you're opening your presence today or you did last night, that no matter what, no matter whatever present that you got, however nice it was, it's gonna, it, it could be in the junk heap even as soon as next year. It might be in the trash next week with all the stuff that we have in America now made in China. Could be taking it back next week. But the love of Christ and the gift that he gave is forever. He doesn't get old. He doesn't get tired. He doesn't have to go to sleep. He doesn't go on vacation. He can always, always hear us. But you know, as you guys all know, how I preach, anybody out there is new listening, 
We can't just stop at what Christ did for us. Because if it was all about what Christ Jesus did for us, then why would we have the Bible recording the response of these wise men in verse 11? And I want to read it again. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We cannot just stop at what Jesus Christ did for us, folks. That's just the beginning. Please know, we can do nothing to merit or earn salvation from God. We can't do a bunch of good works enough to make God happy. We can't, oh, hey God, I'm going to help you know, 50 old ladies across the street this year and then you're going to give me salvation. Lord, I'm going to do all these righteous works and then maybe you'll save me. That, that's not how it works. For Galatians 2, 8 through 10 says, or 8 through 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, least anyone should boast. But, just like these wise men's response here in our text, we can't leave out verse 10 of Galatians 2, 8, 9, and 10. Because a lot of people just love to quote Galatians 2, verses 8 and 9, but they leave out verse 10. And verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Christ, the mighty king, came and gave us the greatest gift that anyone could ever give anyone. He gave himself as payment for our sins. Wow. If we look at ourselves and we look at the sin that we've committed in our lives and the things that we've done wrong in our lives, I hope we could honestly all say, I'm not worth for anybody to come and die for my sins. I'm not worth it for anyone. Because you know what? I've done the wrong, but that's not how Christ saw it. And everything belongs to Him. Everything belongs to Christ Jesus and God Almighty. Everything. Everything in heaven and on earth belongs to Him except for one thing, and that's us. Everything belongs to Him except for us. God gave us our free will to either choose Him or reject Him. He doesn't make anybody come to Him. He doesn't force anybody to come to Him. We all have our free will. God wants you to surrender your whole self to Christ Jesus and make Him the Lord of your lives by deciding to worship Jesus Christ daily just like these wise men did. Not only with their words, but with notice, notice, they didn't only worship Christ with their words, but they worshiped him with their physical action of bowing down and worshiping Christ and honoring him with lots and lots of awesome gifts at his birth. So a question for us today, because in our world today, unfortunately, 
I hear a lot of people. It's all about God's grace. It's all about what God did for me. It's all about what Jesus Christ did for me. I'm, I'm good. Hey, because he did it all. It's, since I can't do anything, it's, it's all about him. But I have a question for you guys today and anybody that, li- that listens right now. Are you showing him that you love him daily by your actions? By the words that come out of your mouth and by the way that you live your life as a whole. Because these wise men's response to his coming is there for a reason. Because if it was all about what God did for us, hey, then we could just sit back, chill out, go to parties, drink it up, have a, you know, commit adultery, do whatever we want to do. And hey, because God did what he did for us, I'm good. But are you showing him that you love him daily by your whole, by your life as a whole? If not, now is the time to start. 1 John 4.19 says, We love him because he first loved us. Would you please today, if you find yourself not there, well, you know, I think you're wrong, Pastor Ed. Well, you can think I'm wrong, but you read the New Testament as a whole and notice that God demands those that come to him. Jesus said, if any would come up after me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow after me. Deny self was the first one. God hates sin. And therefore, anyone that is God's will either or will walk away, will either crucify the flesh with its passions and stop or keep going on and live in any way that they want and they'll turn themselves away from God and walk away. Love Him back, please, by putting all your faith and trust in Him daily obeying his written word and showing him you love him by the ways you live your life and the words that come out of your mouth. Love him by living for him. You know you know the saying that we have in our nowadays, talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. And I've heard people say, hey man, put your money where your mouth is. Why do people say that? Put your money where your mouth is. They say that because unless you're willing to really throw down some, some, you know, if you wanna, if you wanna say that, hey, well, put money there, put, put your money there, and then if you, if people really will, if they'll put their money there, then that means they really believe what they're telling you. They really, I'll put my money down, I'll bet on that horse, or I'll, yes, I'm almost certain that that is here. Yes, I'll, 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 I'll put twenty dollars on the fact that I'm right. But if you don't, put your money where your mouth is, and that means that you really don't believe what you're saying. And the Bible really says as a whole that real love is a verb. It's an action. Christ didn't just tell us he loves us. He showed us his love by, again, coming into this world, (laughs) being birthed, experiencing the pain of childhood. It's painful to be a child. It's painful. People are mean to you. You have to learn how to grow. There's child pangs. So he showed us he loved us. He didn't just tell us he loved us. He showed us he loved us and then not only was born for us, but lived a whole life of love for us. 
being poured out, as the Bible says, basically as a sacrificial offering for us. As he lived his life, if you, if you read the account of his life, multitudes were always around him. Imagine for three and a half years spending every day at Disney World during the most busiest time that you could spend there. All those hundreds and even thousands of people around you, how tired and weary that you would get. Well, Jesus walked with multitudes around him all the time for three and, the last three and a half years of his life. How tiring that must have been. But he did it all for us. And then not only did he do that, but then he died a brutal, brutal, painful death for sinners like you and me. So again, I go back. He showed us. He loved us. He didn't just tell us. He loved us. So he wants that in return. Remember I just said he, he doesn't, he has everything in the universe except for us. Would you give him yourself today? He gave himself for you almost 2,000 years ago. Would you give yourself to him today? Because that's the present that he's wanting if you haven't already done that. Would you give himself to, your, to him today and give him a present today and show him that you love him instead of just telling him you love him? He simply wants that in return. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, Thank you so much, Lord God, for what you did for us. Thank you so much for not just telling us that you love us, but that you show us you love us. And you showed us that you loved us almost 2,000 years ago by coming and taking that brutally painful death on the cross. And you lived that hard life. You, you weren't a, a king in a castle and had servants to come to you at your beck and call and just give you whatever you wanted. For you said, Jesus, the Son of Man did not come to serve, but, or did not come to be served, but to serve. Jesus, you were the servant of all of those that, were, that you were around, Lord. You served them <laughs> just like you know, kings in a castle that would have served. You were the servant that served. You were the minister to those whom you came to lead. Lord God, there's never been, I can't even think of, a, of any of a leader as great as you that humbled himself to serve those that he was leading. <laughs> wow, Jesus. Wow. You just showed me even more of your love even in that. Lord, I just pray if there's anybody out there listening that Lord, although we celebrate you on this day, and yes, Lord, nobody can take away anything what you did. Because even if we just choose not to believe it, it doesn't make, doesn't make it truth because I just don't believe it. Truth is truth, not because I say it is, but because it is truth and we can back it up and we can prove it, Lord, just like we can you. <laughs> You've given us the ability to do that. Lord Jesus, if there's any out there that know what you did for them, but they're just not responding in love to you and showing you that they, that you, they love you by their actions and their words, Lord, I pray that they would even turn tonight, turn today, whenever they hear this message, and repent and turn to you and surrender to you because, Lord, you have everything in all of creation, except for one thing, the heart of man. You leave that up to us. But you said come. So Lord, I come and I thank you so much for what you did for us. And I'm so thankful for what you did for us, Lord. And today is all about you. So praise be to you, Jesus Christ, the great and mighty King.
We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. We would like to thank everyone who has joined us today to listen to Pastor Ed Spagnoli bring us more biblical truth as he preaches verse by verse through the Bible. It is our prayer that you are encouraged and challenged to respond to the word of the Lord today as one life will soon be passed and only what is done for Jesus Christ will last. If you would like to support this ministry or contact us for prayer or for any reason at all, please visit gospelsavingchurch.com and enjoy our beautiful new website and click on the appropriate links. God bless you.